Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And welcome to the Back Brief. I'm Rod Rodriguez. It is Olympic time. It is uh, that time in our lives when our televisions and our social media are flooded with the spirit of the Olympics, competitors worldwide coming together in the spirit of competition. And I will be perfectly honest with you all in this world of COVID and all the craziness, I completely forgot it was happening. I only became aware, to be honest with everyone, that the Olympics were a thing after Simone Biles. Uh, she went, she did her thing. She didn't land her. And I, mind you, I am not a gymnast. I know nothing about gymnastics. I've never been able to touch my toes in my entire life. But she goes for her thing. She does her jump. She does her flips. She's doing some really cool twirly things in the air. She does not land. I know that much. I know when it doesn't, when it's not right. Doesn't land it. And shortly after, she pulls out of the Olympics. She's like, nope, not doing this anymore. I can't compete due to mental health issues. Now, I am not going to go so far as to say I'm an athlete. I have competed in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've earned $10 medals uh, and a t-shirt. But I, I understand a little something about competition. I understand a little something about the mental game that comes with it. So when an elite athlete pulls out, I was one of those folks. Let's go. Well, you know, good luck to her. And I really didn't think much of it until my Facebook and my Twitter and everybody seemed to have an opinion about this. And one of those people that had an opinion about this was my very good friend, uh, Eric Mitchell from Life Flip Media. And, you know, he went live and he was giving his opinion about Simone Biles and I disagreed with him. And and the good thing is, you know, and, and here's the thing, folks, uh, when you disagree with somebody, whether you know them or not, uh, be nice, be kind, be generous. Sometimes we're in the heat of the moment where we're full of emotions. We say things uh, that's fine. I've been there, too. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And, you know, we, we had a brief exchange over his live video. Then he cut the live and. Later on, I hit him up about this interview and he said, you know, hey, um, change of heart. Let's have a chat. Let's talk about this. Maybe he had a change of opinion, which I think is important. You should be able to change your opinion. So with me now is uh, Eric Mitchell, Life Flip Media. 
you know the company, uh, representing some huge names in the industry, huge names. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, to name one. Maybe you've heard of him, another elite athlete. They, they represent several elite athletes. Uh, Eric, thanks for being on the show, bud. Hey, Rod. Thanks for having me, bud. Let's talk about this video. Um, tell me, let, let's let's walk the dog on this. Uh, you're sitting at home, you're, or maybe you're flying somewhere. You're an extremely busy person, but you find out Simone Biles uh, is pulling out of the Olympics due to mental health issues. Take me through what was your initial reaction to this? Well, we work with a lot of athletes. In fact, we have <laughs> we represent uh, an athlete who actually won the all around gold today for women. So it was it, it we're we, we're very much involved in this Olympics with a couple Olympians plus some NBA players that are there. I awoke to my phone in the middle of the night that this had taken place. I got up, jumped on uh, the app that's streaming the said games and went and checked out what was going on. I, I was taken back by it because Simone Biles is an amazing amazing athlete uh i love these athletes just like michael phelps phenomenal athlete and i took a pause for the cause because working with athletes and even being around some amazing folks that have what i call the mamba mentality work have actually trained with the late great kobe uh being around sabrina and nescu and so many others that kobe instilled this part of you quickly grabs the wait a minute would Kobe quit? Like it kind of gets your brain going, wait a minute, you're the goat. You're the greatest. You're, you're at the Brady level, right? You can't doubt Tom Brady being it. If you are a male in your forties, if you hate Tom Brady, you're doing it just because you don't like the Patriots. You're not looking at him as a 44 year old man who goes up against kids in their twenties and wins Super Bowl rings and, and does it amazingly and did last season on a torn knee, right? That was initial reaction, Rod. I'll be blatant. It was the initial, I was like, come on. And I took and ran my loud mouth and quickly as I was studying it and took a step back, realized I was wrong. I think a lot of folks felt the same way you did. Yeah. And a lot of folks like you, um, they went into social media. They went into their uh, well-known sports commentators. Uh, even this is where I thought it was strange, political commentators. Um, Charlie Kirk, uh, you know, um, a couple of others uh, that they, they came out and they were like, I feel this way about that. And, they, you know, what really took me back was uh, you didn't say it. You weren't. Uh, I, I, if I recall your position, it was more along the lines of, you know, hero worship uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, doing what's expected of you despite, you know, adversity. And that maybe she wasn't the best role model if she's going to be, you know, quitting when times get hard. I, I know several other folks took it to another level where she was un-American. She was a bad American, a bad human being, and uh, you know the worst thing since communism. Um, I, I didn't feel that way, and and you know I, I immediately knew that there was something else going on here, but. You 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 made your comment about uh, heroes, mm -hmm. and you you made a couple of allusions already to uh, Kobe Bryant and a lot of folks who have faced sports adversity. Uh, do you feel like we have a hero worship issue when it comes to sports and icons in this country? Going back to Colin Kaepernick, who took a political stance as a professional athlete and was just. Right through the coals for it. Some folks feel that 
uh, you're a paid player. Go do your thing. Shut up. And we don't hear, want to hear your politics. We don't want to hear about your mental health issues. We just want you to do your flips, land it, or shoot a basket or whatever it is. Where Where is this country in terms of worshiping sports heroes? Oh, wow. This is this question. I mean, it goes back. I mean, I'll age myself here, Rod. You, you probably were raised around the same time as the great Michael Jordan, right? We, we were raised on the be like Mike, right? Uh, Bo Jackson. Remember Bo ripped like a tank wearing the bat over his back and snapping. We were raised on these different athletes. Uh, I'll age myself. Mary Lou Retton, right? When you think of the 84 Olympics, that's about the last Olympics I can remember as a kid. Uh, Mary Lou Retton, America's sweetheart. Do you think of the 96 team when what's her name twisted her ankle? I can't think of the uh, gym, amazing gymnast lady, but she twisted her ankle. Remember Carrie Struggs. There we go. Carrie Struggs hopping on one Carrie leg. Strug, Brandy yeah. Chastain ripping off her jersey. That's when it was Brandy Chastain that really started this trend where we politicized the Olympic athlete. And what a lot of people don't understand is you brought up Colin amazing athlete uh it's funny to become an nfl football player you have to be the top one percent period to make the nfl to make the nba it's the same number to become an athlete to become an olympian remember you're training for something that happens once every four years you age and it's all you do an average olympian lives off six thousand dollars a year don't think that they're filthy rich. Some of them are, but that's again the top percentages. The Michael Phelps, the you know the the Simone Biles of of the crew. We're not counting the NBA guys. Those guys, those that's that's a whole different category. Uh, they're making more. If you look at the the folks making money uh, at the Olympics, uh, Naomi Osaka Osaka was the highest paid, followed by Damian Lillard, both professional athletes. But we do have hero worship. And I think the pressure gets to our athletes. It's, it's maintaining a certain level, and then it goes away. When you're an Olympian, you come back. Sonny Lee's going to go through this, the amazing gymnast that won the gold. You come back, and you're a hero. You're on the front cover of a Wheaties. You do all the interviews. And then it goes away. And then you're just Eric. And you have to deal with that. And I encourage everybody out there, if you have the time and you haven't seen it, watch the weight, the weight of gold that Michael Phelps did in 2020, talking about mental health in Olympians. The fact that Michael Phelps, the greatest Olympian of our time, our generation, that he basically, the dude just jumps in the water and you're just like, oh, he's fast. He's really good. He almost took his life. He still deals with mental illness. And a lot of us in the military deal with the same thing. And I know a lot of people do that, but you brought up an interesting point. You talked about the, the people who say and make this political, they're always gonna do that. You brought up Charlie Kirk, Laura Ingram has famously told athletes to shut up and dribble. LeBron James has probably donated more money in one year than Laura Ingram has done to anybody to benefit somebody's college. I, I forget how many students LeBron has put through college by himself as an NBA basketball player. That's a whole lot more than shut up and dribble. Kyrie Irving just built water for an entire village in Africa. That's a lot more than shut up and dribble. I don't know if we want to do that, but we have to look at these athletes as more than amazing athletes. We have to look at them as amazing humans that perform at the highest levels, levels that we can't even achieve. To me, hero worship, that's great. Be like Mike. Love Kobe. Love Sabrina. 
love Naomi, love Simone, love Sonny Lee. But remember, they're human. They put their pants on like you and I do, Rod, and they're going to have bad days. And people are quick to forget, but Kevin Love, forward who plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers, is the first athlete that I can think of that came out and said, yo, I have some mental issues that cause me some problems and people ridicule because it's easy to do that. You know, Charlie Kirk can do that. Jack Pozak famous for being, you know, what is American and what's not American and the world's worst Halloween costume picker, you know, Megan Kelly came out against Naomi Osaka saying, how dare you not do media interviews? It's hard to be at the top. And people think it's so easy. They want to be our hero. They want to live up to it. But at the end of the day, they also want to live their life. And we need to treat them as heroes, but heroes that are human like you and I. Yes, they're cute, but they're not, they're not Wolverine. The bullets don't bounce. It's, it's a movie. Well, I, so. I think that what, what we're also facing is a new type of hero worship here in the United States. I, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but I, I see what's happening around me. Um, look at our political sphere. We are now associating ourselves with, uh, I am a Trumpist. I am a Bidenist. I am a Republican. I am a Democrat. Uh, I am this, I am that. Folks are becoming, I, their, their identity is becoming the things that they impose it on. So there is this idea that you owe me something. Trump owes me something for this. Biden owes me that. Simone owes me a gold medal. And if she quits, then it takes an, I, I think uh, what hurt a lot of people was perhaps the idea that Simone quit on them. They took it personally because everything is becoming personal now. Everything is becoming about well, how does it affect Rod? What did that do to Rod? What did that do to my belief in you? You let me down personally. We are becoming so attached to our heroes that we're forgetting, like you said, these are human beings, fallible. They make mistakes. And in Simone's case, what struck me was the amount of vitriol that came out of people who have never competed in anything in their lives, who have never put their body and their mind to the stress of an athlete. For perspective, folks, this young woman, I don't know how tall she is, but she's like five something. Yeah, she like is not a very two, tall person. Yeah. And she is jettisoning her entire body into the air and spinning it and spinning it and then flipping it. And we expect her to land on both feet. Now, when she's up there and she's twisting and she's turning, there's a thing called the twists. And what that means is she no longer knows where she is in the air. Now, if I told you to jump on a trampoline and there's a bunch of foam and wonderful soft stuff for you to land in, but you're going to flip and I'm going to spin you and flip you and spin you and flip you. But I want you to try and land on your feet. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be scared because you don't know if you're going to land on your head. You don't know if you're going to land on your stomach. You don't know if you're going to land on your ankle. Anything and everything while you're flipping and turning in the air is possible. So when this girl lands and she's like, nope, I, I am not mentally here for this. To me, I, this is like if a soldier came to me on the range and said, hey, Sergeant, 
I can't shoot. What's wrong? I am not in the right headspace. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt. I, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt myself. I'm afraid I could hurt somebody else on this range. I'm not going to tell, hey, go tough it out. We're, this is the whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. That's not what we do. Hey, if you're a danger to yourself, you're a danger to someone else. We pull you off the range. We're going to talk to you. We're going to figure this out. She looked at her team and said, I am a danger to my team losing the next medal. If I go out and underperform, they're going to get a bronze medal. They might not medal at all. So she took herself out of the equation. To me, that was selfless service. That was looking out for the greater good. And I know it's not a narrative that people want to hear because we want a Hollywood finish. We want Carrie Strug. We want, uh, uh, boy, the one from the 80s. I can't remember her name. Mary Lou Retton. Mary Lou Retton. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I saw an article about a gentleman who who watched that again. And he's like, you know, it's really uncomfortable the second time around. Because this is a young girl being forced, forcing herself to play through, to, to do this sport, to do this thing through excruciating pain. And what we didn't know back then is what we know now. Mm-hmm. That a lot of these athletes were victims of sexual harassment, sexual assault, rape. They were being, since children, groomed, uh, subjected to inhumane treatment to become great athletes. And, you know, well, no, no, no kidding. They ha- she has mental health issues. Phelps has mental health issues. The elite have their mental health issues. And what they don't need is the American public uh, calling them bad Americans. You know, it, sorry, I'm laughing just because it's it crazy still me. irks me that this means you're a bad American. Then we need to go crucify that entire team, USA team that lost to France. But I'm not going to do that because it's funny how we look at it. I mean, we're talking about the most decorated gymnast of our time. She has over 30 medals to her name. All oh, by the way, four, eight of her. Uh, it's funny. We're calling her a quitter where people are calling her a bad American. She's from Texas. How do you get away with calling anybody from Texas? You can't get any more American than right? that. You can't get any more American than being Texan. I mean, she loves America. She's Her sponsors stand by her. It, it right, And this is probably a whole other episode, but the fact that politics is brought into sports, and it's something that I've said in some of the, some of the most alt-right TV networks that have appeared on talking about sports, but when we're talking about Major League Baseball leaving Georgia for the All-Star game, when we talk about Tiger Woods, when we talk about cheating in the Kentucky Derby. People want to politicize everything now in 2021. Everything has to tie into the former social media influencer who is no longer in the White House and all of the people who want to do his bidding. I mean, remember, we're talking about the same people who are going on TV calling this this athlete, this amazing athlete who was sexually assaulted, who's a, who's the person who victimized her is in prison for life. And we watched that trial. And as a father of two daughters, I wanted to reach to the TV and I would have committed every crime in the world on him and not felt bad doing my prison time. I would have done that with a smile on my face. And we're listening to people with opinions on this that are the same people who two years ago loved law enforcement, but now are mocking police officers who are in front of hearings. This is, we live in a whole different world where we like cops as long as they're saying the right thing or doing the right thing, but how dare they show emotion? How dare they have tattoos? How dare they get up there? And it makes me scared, not as just an American, 
as a father, but as a Marine, it's concerning to me that like, does this come back to us? Is this why veterans for the most part, not the side that is very victim-y, but I'm talking us as a whole. How do people really look at us? How do people look at veterans when they come back? Because wars are ending now. By the end of the year, we will be out of Iraq. We, we're already out of Afghanistan and everybody has an opinion on that. But when we come home, everybody's home and everybody's back on the same ball field. How do they look at us? Are, are we cute because every four years it's cute to love the military? Because we've heard a lot of bad things lately. We've had generals with 40 years of service that you and I can talk off camera for days about. Any vet I meet, I'm, we all know what those stripes on the right sleeve meet in the army. That, those are combat tours, baby. You, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you never served and you're a bow tie wearing idiot on TV and you're saying that guy's a pig, Say it to his face, number one, because then I'll be really impressed. And number two, but this is where people take it. This Simone Biles is a hero. Michael Phelps is a hero. To who? Anybody who's had to overcome being awkward, weird, different, or wants to spin around in a vicious circle like Simone Biles does. And to be at this pedestal. Other countries, there just happened. The woman who's 46, who's on, who's on the gymnastics team, right? She's like, hi, I'm just happy to be at the Olympics. They won a silver medal. I don't, I have zero Olympic medals and I would be happy for a bronze, silver, gold. I would be happy going and getting to wear what they wore at the Olympics and just be there. I was going to say, it, I'd be happy to get the t-shirt to be honest with right? you. <laughs> and, and we live in a culture where we're crucifying. I mean, remember 24 hours before Simone Biles had this happen to her, you had Naomi she got defeated. It happens. Um, I'm sorry, folks, ladies and gentlemen, in tennis, sports, basketball or anything, there's winners and there's losers. And she lost and she took it with a grain of salt because it happens. And it's and I think Dame Lillard said it, said it best after Team USA lost to France. He said, people play differently when they play for their country. It's like you take it to another level. It's different. And Patrick Ewing, famous NBA basketball player, legend, said Team USA kind of has it everything. We built this. That team of Jordan with Jordan and Rodman and not Rodman, uh, Ewing and Bird and Magic. Bar I mean, yeah, the dream team, right? You go watch that. You're like, <laughs> that was almost embarrassing. It was like playing the Harlem Globetrotters. It was a disgusting. It was you just got beat. It's different now because we have become a melting pot in the NBA. We're Luka Donick. Uh, the MVP this season for the NBA was Jokic. Uh, he's Bosnian. And the MVP from the NBA finals is Greek. The Greek, the Greek freak, Giannis. I mean, it's different now because the world has stepped up. So like Dame said, Dame is one of the best point guards in the league. Dame can fire it up from the other side of the court and make a shot. These guys step up to sit here and say somebody's un-American. Give me a break. And if you're wearing the flag and violating the flag code, you're the, probably the last person who should be telling me what's American and not American. And I'm not going around with my flag code going on. I mean, I have a hat with the American flag on it, and I know that violates the code, but I still wear it. But I mean, this is where we go. And it's funny because hero worship, it's so different because it was cool to be like Mike. And now it's like, if you do, it better be, well, who did he vote for? Like, I really don't care what his politics are. Yeah. I don't care That's if they kneel. And I think we could go back to this at the beginning of the day. You brought up Kaepernick. And I think it's funny because I still bring this up. Remember, it was a Green Beret who told Cap to kneel. Let's just put it that way. We're all going to crucify. But remember, it was a Green Beret who told him to do it and told him exactly why. And by the warrior code, 
it made perfect sense. But folks, the, 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 the last thing I want to talk about about this is really uh, about Eric. It's about changing your mind. You know, we are in a country where the country is in such a polarized condition that changing your mind is viewed as weakness. It, it, it is uh, you're not really a hard liner. It's okay to change your mind. Uh, that's one of the things I appreciate you, appreciate about you, man, is that you're, to me, I think the ability to change your mind says a lot about your intelligence and your empathy that, that despite your, uh, emotional, uh, reaction to something. And we all get emotional about a thousand different things a day. Uh, trust me, look, try and talk, try and have a reasonable, try and have a reasonable, rational conversation with me while I'm looking for my keys in the morning. Um, it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm a, I'm just furious at everyone. I can't find my keys, can't find my phone. I am emotional. But after it's over, the ability to look back on a subject and go, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I wasn't looking at this correctly. And I think that if we all did that, whether it's COVID, whether it's uh, mask mandates, whether it's your politics, the ability to look at something after your emotional reaction mm -hmm. and ask yourself, does this represent me? Do I really feel this way? Are there facts? Are there conditions that exist that I did not consider when I was emotional? Cool. Um, Eric, talk to me about when you kind of realized like, okay, <laughs> this, yeah, that's not working for me. Uh, I, I made that, I was alive. I, I didn't write anything down but I had a screen up and I was reading uh, one of the mini pubs I read. And I was actually at the same time getting, doing, getting interview requests to come on and talk about it. So I was kind of, I always practice on Facebook lives. Uh, it's always kind of a trick when I want to sound out and kind of be the sounding board. Then I read and I got to her, her sexual assault and that instantly was, I'm done. Uh, nope. She's a hero to me. You're right. Damn it. She had every right to do it. When you're not in that mind space, uh, I can only imagine, uh, I mean, I'm a father and that, that is like, <laughs> I, I, my mind changed when I saw that it was an instant, like, I felt like if you've ever watched the old Disney cartoons and you look at Goofy and you're like, oh, there was Eric's moment of, if you could look like a JA, I was looking like one right there. I was like, I ate it. I took the video down. And I told the only person was you who interacted with me on it. And I said, dude, I was wrong. I changed my opinion on it. I talked it through. I actually, and I'm, I mean, I, I'll admit, we would talk about mental, mental health in our country. Yep. I'll be the first one to admit, I never talked about having a therapist, but I meet with mine at least once a month. I actually called her that day uh, and had a discussion. I think mental health is one of the biggest things that I, I deal with different demons. My father died on January 4th of this year. So I have my own demons that I've had to exercise and I've wanted to ignore it. Like so many, like Simone's probably trying to do. So I related to it. It's like, I took this rod. I took this moment back. It's hard to go long here, but like I took this, it's a loaded question. So I'm going to answer it, but I took a step back and was able to be like, I get it. I never really like January. I was a hot mess. Like January was like January, right? You had like January 4th, my dad, died like story end 
There was no long drawn out, prolonged. There was nothing. It was a phone call from me to the hospital. Story's over. That's it. It's the middle of COVID, so traveling's hard. And then two days later, of course, we saw what happened at the Capitol. And I'm a very big patriot. I love this country more than most. And I was heartbroken to watch that and dealing with my dad dying. It was like I was a hot mess on that day, too, because it was like I was angry. I wasn't there. And anybody who said the wrong thing on Facebook, trust me, Facebook and Twitter, I'm surprised I didn't get banned. Uh, I was going after all the people like, I would be there. I'm like, you're an idiot. Uh, and then fast forward to now, I've been dealing with it. I, I, I meditate every day. I do yoga. I hit the gym. I, I work out six days a week. It's so important to me. And I look at Simone Biles and what she's gone through and people basically just like, oh, you were sexually assaulted. Oh, I mean, it's so sure. I mean, Clay Travis, he's one of the people we didn't mention, but I think it's, it's fair that he needs to be <laughs> brought to the surface here. He, he went on Twitter and went after her pretty hard. And he deserved every bit of hate that he got back at him because how dare you? And then he brought up PTSD. And people are like, when did you serve? <laughs> it's like, if you're going to throw PTSD, like a soldier with PTSD, I'm like, have you been around one of us? Have you been around a soldier, a Marine, a sailor, an airman, a Coastie? Well, Space Force probably doesn't have PTSD yet, but everybody else. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, even the National Guardsmen. Or have you been around law enforcement? Who's that? I think we just saw it two days ago on TV. We saw what PTSD looks like on police officers who are crying, but let's go mock them. What Simone Biles did is a champion her bring it to light is an it i think more people need to talk about it and if i talk about it and i'm somebody in the spotlight and i'm very little in the spotlight but i'm bringing it up and i think it's important i share with you hey i have a therapist me doing that was like therapy and it was like i needed a minute to gather myself and go you know what i totally took that wrong approach she's actually she did she did what Anybody was just like, look, I can't. Sometimes you have to take that pause for the cause. Sometimes you have to be like, I can't handle it because so many times you try to fight through it like we've been taught. And you and I could probably relate to this. Like, it's your manhood, right? You're, I'm a man. I'm going to fight through it. I'm a Marine. I'm going to fight through it. Yeah. Cramp. That doesn't mean anything anymore. Great. So you're macho and you struggle with your mental health. So you snap at your wife and your kids or your friends and your coworkers. No. Admit you have a problem and say, look, I need that. Maybe somebody wants to pick up the phone. I love seeing those posts by other vets that are like, bro, call me or call this number. I'm here for you. And I, and I think for all of you, especially if, since this crowd is very heavy military, that's what we need to do. If this is triggering your brain, call somebody, call a friend, talk it through and don't be afraid to get therapy, right? I think that's the biggest thing is what she admitting, you're admitting that you have it is the first thing. Could you imagine doing it on, you know, just a couple billion people watching? <laughs> You're like, hey, it's the Olympics. I like, I'm pretty sure she wasn't like, hey, I can't wait to tell the world. By the way, I have to stop because I'm totally like having some issues mentally. This is a big deal. But I mean, you're, I, I mean, I don't know. I could keep this going because I still go back but, to having a mental same, issue has nothing to do with being uh, on an the same note. Uh, on the same note, though, folks, if you are getting so angry about an athlete not performing their sport to your expectations that you will go and call them racial names. You will call into question their loyalty to their country or question the trauma that they've experienced. The issue is not them. The issue is you. You need to relax, man. Take a breath. It's a sport. 
people will they will win today they will lose tomorrow i'm a huge mma fan and we were just talking about right before the show started we're talking about conor mcgregor you know i was a huge conor mcgregor fan and then i wasn't then i was and then i wasn't the man is a man he's a human being he's going to say things i'm not going to agree with but i love the sport i love the camaraderie i love the everything about mma mm-hmm. but um just relax folks be empathetic. Do your best to be the best person you can be. That's Eric Mitchell from Life Flip Media. You can check out Life Flip Media, lifeflipmedia.com. You can follow them on Twitter at Life Flip Media. Eric, thanks for being on the show, brother. Thanks for having me on, brother. Always good to be on. Coming up next, Rachel Cozy is a U.S. Navy veteran, and she wrote a book called You're Welcome, and it's all about her experience having a mental health breakdown. So we're going to talk about what that looks like. You might find that what you're experiencing is kind of what she experienced. And she's going to tell you how to, how to fix this man and how to not go over the edge. I know on the back brief, we tend to talk about stories that range from the serious to absurd, but I want to share with you a different kind of podcast. CBS Ion Veterans, hosted by Navy veteran Phil Briggs, brings you uplifting, inspirational, and sometimes hilarious stories from the veteran world. From Matt Best talking pounds of brown to the greatest beer run ever, Phil Briggs is going to take you to the best and funniest places in the veteran world. CBS Ion Veterans, available everywhere you listen to podcasts or go to ConnectingVets.com. Click on the podcast button at the top of the page, CBS Ion Veterans. Uh, Today, we're talking a little bit about mental health. And I know you're probably thinking, oh boy, another discussion about mental health. Uh, I promise I won't kill myself, Uh, suicide prevention and so on. And I get it. You're probably tired of hearing people tell you not to kill yourself. But the reason we tell you that reason you hear it so much is because so many people do. But one of the things we, we don't talk about enough is the part that you don't go to that end. Maybe the less extreme part of mental health, Um, the daily struggle, the daily grind, uh, how to keep yourself from becoming overwhelmed, how to keep yourself, what, what do you do when you are for all intents and purposes in the middle of a mental breakdown? And that can be a challenge. Uh, And, you know, when you live in a world where as a veteran or service member, you tell someone having um, having a mental health issue you don't want to necessarily you're not you may not be at a point where you're considering harming yourself but maybe you're just at a point where you're just done like i'm done dude my brain is fried i'm done with you know x y and z life has broken me down i need some help but maybe i'm not that far gone uh and you don't want the stigma that comes with it and i I totally get it. I've been on both sides of the spectrum. My guest today is Rachel Cozy. She's a Navy veteran, and she has written a book about mental health, and it's it's from her perspective. She experienced her own mental health crisis, and this book is about how she came back from it. Uh, Rachel, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Rod. So, Rachel, uh, your book is about your experience in a mental health crisis. What happened? 
So I'll give you the whole spiel of the book. So this is the story of how I had a total mental breakdown about 10 years ago while on a romantic vacation in Santorini, Greece, because I was so tired and stressed out and out of touch with my body that I just completely fell apart. Now, when you say that you fell apart, that is, uh, that's something we often say for a lot of different, my car, it fell apart. Uh, my computer fell apart. But when we talk about we, us, I fell apart. What, what did that look like for you? What happened when Rachel Cozy fell apart? I just melted into a shell of a beating. Uh, I was burning the candles at both ends. I was working on a full-time degree program while in the military, working 40 to 60 hours a week. And I was just, I thought I was an invincible robot. And I just ran myself to the point where like my body just shut down and I couldn't control any of my emotions for a straight 24 hours. I just, I call it melting. <laughs> Um, I have, I think a lot of our listeners have experienced some level of breakdown, something that we can point to and say, wow, I was a hot mess. I can share with you all, uh, you know, uh, one of my divorces and there you go. That tells you something about me. I, I, it's definitely me problem. Uh, I went through something of a meltdown. I remember just feeling completely out of control with how, how I was feeling. I was experiencing a lot of emotions all side by side, back to back. Um, it felt like I was going crazy. What about you, Co uh, uh, Rachel? Did, did you feel like you were going crazy in that moment or were you kind of aware like, oh, I'm having a, a, a meltdown? I felt like a demon had possessed my body and I lost all control. And I was an outsider watching myself. Like I was just spewing all of these like horrible, hateful things that I didn't even know that must've been buried in my subconscious. And I just lost total control of everything. Yeah. It was like being an outsider watching it. It was like, I, I couldn't control my body or my mind or what I was saying at that point for like a full 24 hours. It was really scary. Did, did anybody witness this? Did you reach out to anybody that, that saw what was happening to you? I was on a romantic vacation with a guy that I barely knew and this poor, poor guy <laughs> I had to just sort of like sit back and be like, are you okay for 24 hours? And like clearly wasn't. Um, we broke up after that, obviously, because I just, when I, I was living in Italy at the time and we were vacationing in Santorini, Greece, and I just got home and I was like, you need to like start over from scratch because like how you're living life is not correct. Like your self-care is horrible. Your mental health is in terrible shape. So I just decided to reset from there. But yes, there was a witness. We don't still speak anymore, but maybe one day he'll read the book and get a better idea of what happened that day. What compelled you to put your experience to paper? This seems like something that you might have wanted to just kind of bury, forget, okay, I had my moment. Let's just drive on and keep going. Why write a book about this? To be honest, um, for me, understanding the science behind how my brain and body work has provided me with a lot of relief. So I just want to share what I've learned over the past decade since that breakdown, because to be honest, I don't want anyone to suffer the way that I have. And I feel like a lot of us at some point in our life are going to deal with these sorts of issues. So I just, I just want to share my knowledge with others. Now you're, you're talking about the science behind this. What kind of science is behind a breakdown? Isn't a breakdown just, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do, can't handle it, and I'm just going to crack and cry, maybe uh, lash out in the world for a little bit, and then I'm fine. Uh, what does science have to do with a breakdown? 
So what I did was I decided to become, and, and this wasn't a strategic plan at the beginning, but in reflection, I decided to become the scientist of my own life. So I broke down areas of my life that I neglected that led to the breakdown. So the first section of the book is all about self-care. So I'm talking about nutrition, exercise, sleep, morning routines. And then I go a little bit deeper into relationships, emotional regulation, communication, boundaries. And then the final section is kind of interesting. Um, it's alternative methods. I used myself as a human guinea pig, reading the science behind and then experimenting with alternative therapies like neurofeedback, sensory deprivation, and um, plant medicines. So the whole idea is to share my journey in this book, but also to provide some of the science tools and resources for others who might be suffering or just looking for ways to improve their life. There aren't too many people that have a breakdown, come out of it and say, you know what? That sucked. Think I'm going to be a scientist and figure this out. What? I mean, I get that you want to help people. That's amazing. But to do a complete life change and say, I'm going to become a scientist to study the effects, the, 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 the scientific methodology behind uh, mental health and becoming a better person, even going so far as to use yourself as a guinea pig uh, on some of these uh, experiments, if you will. Uh, you're kind of starting this journey. You've wrote this book. You're in the middle of this journey in your master's program when that's leading to a PhD. Uh, where do you think this is going to take you? Just so I work right now as a neuro coach, which I teach people how to manage their minds. It's a different type of professional coaching where I teach people how to approach problem solving, anxiety, and emotions from a state of mindful awareness. The idea is that I'll have half my foot in current neuroscientific research, the other half in coaching in the real world, um, dealing with the business world. But yeah, my was never my idea to do any of this. Like when I came back from the breakdown, it took a couple of years to kind of put this plan into place. I mean, I cried for like months when I came back and I didn't have any idea what I was doing. It was just sort of trial and error. This didn't really form into anything real until about two years ago. Tell me about the science behind this. Uh, take me through a little bit about how, what, what's happening in our brain when we're having this, when we're having a mental health breakdown, when we're, we're feeling overwhelmed. Uh, what's going on in our brain and is there a way to stop it? Is there a way to control ourselves or get control of our brain before it takes off down this freeway at a thousand miles per hour headed to, you know, cry town? So I, there's a lot of different aspects to that, but I think the first thing that you need to do uh, or your listeners need to do is take a take a stop in time right now and evaluate where is your head at? Is it constantly like busy and like filling your head with stress and anxiety or your thoughts more positive and moving you in the direction of your future? So first it's, what is your mental state right now? Um, how can you work on that? How can you work to slow the mind? Because certain anxiety centers of your brain, if you keep firing them, they just get stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's where you get to the point where I was, where you're so out of touch with what your present body and mind need that you just stop listening. Like I didn't know if I was tired, hungry, thirsty. I just went, 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 went. I treated my body like a machine and to the point where it didn't go anymore. So I think mindfulness and just taking a mindful breath or break every 15, 20 minutes. I have a bell that I actually use at home and just taking stock of what do you need in this moment? Do I need to breathe? Some people, a lot of people with severe anxiety, panic attacks, they just forget to breathe. So 
just starting with a calm peace of mind and then sort of working back the self-care. And then you do go into the deeper level. Like I said, the relationships and communication, how do you articulate to the world what it is that you need once you're in touch with what that is? I was heavily considering sending my uh, psychologist bill to Gary Vaynerchuk about five years ago because, you know, I got I got on Gary V train and it was like, you know, Gary about work, work, work. The guy is a monster and he's just in that frame of mind. And he he talks about his his work ethos, which is just unrealistic for most normal humans. I'm not sure if it's even realistic for him, but that's what he puts out. Uh you know, as a small business owner, it pushed me and I kept pushing myself, pushing myself, pushing myself. Uh, if I had any free space, I felt like I was wasting it. If I wasn't building my business, if I wasn't creating content, if I wasn't some doing something to push my success forward, a lot of folks have kind of adopted this. And this is something that we see in the military a lot where it's like five mm-hmm. 30 for the seven o'clock meeting. And uh, work at your desk, you know, from 12 to 1300, eat your lunch, make sure you're sitting there. Uh, You might leave at six or seven. Then when you get home, you're taking work with you. You're answering calls, you're Mm -hmm. soldiers or, you know, service members. It's overwhelming. Is there a problem with our culture today? Is there a problem with the military culture of putting too much on people's plates and you know, is that something that you're seeing in the business world as well as we get through the Gary V era? So it's interesting because as human beings, we only have so much energy and cognitive capacity per day. So when we burn out first thing in the morning, your brain is basically mush for the rest of the day. So it's really important to take those, those breaks to flush all the stress chemicals out of your brain and to replenish the neurotransmitters, responsible concentration and focus. The other interesting thing, and I call it the military mindset, is they don't want you to be creative. So creativity and inspiration comes when you actually turn off your thinking brain and you do mind wandering and imagination. So you can't do that if you're just constantly going, 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 thinking, thinking, thinking. So if you want to solve a complex problem, the best thing you can do is like go for a jog or take a long shower, like shower thoughts. There's a reason we all have these insights and epiphanies in the shower because we're not thinking about anything else. So I think it is a problem because it's burning out our brains and our bodies and it's sort of turning us into robots instead of feeling human beings, which is what we're meant to be, creative, inspirational people. How has COVID impacted the way that you looked at the material in your book, looking at your own personal experience, uh, experience COVID pushed the American public, the world to live in these little self-contained bubbles, the four walls and the ceiling uh, around us. Uh, we went through a year where some folks were, you know, loved ones. They were talking with them on the phone. They couldn't interact with them. Uh, there's been a lot of reports about mental health instability during the COVID era, how has this impacted your philosophies and your outlook from your book? So it's interesting. I think what COVID did for a lot of us, especially in the large cities where you couldn't go outside, is it forced you to be alone with your own thoughts and feelings. And we all dealt with that in different ways. And I think at some point, everybody broke down during COVID. You had to, you had to face your own mortality and your mental health at that point. But what's interesting is how I'm observing all my friends and family, how people went in different directions. Some people, you know, they went through the whole spiral of being 
alone and afraid. And then they just decided to use their free time and do something creative. And some people, and I did this myself in the beginning, just decided to drink and binge watch TV for a while. And then when I realized this was going to go on for a year or so, I decided to make a transition and do something different. But yeah, it's, it's forced us to be alone with our own thoughts. And I hope at some point people were creative in saying, what is my mental health state right now? What can I do to improve it? But definitely, I think that we've, we've all suffered significantly from being in the lockdown and COVID environment. I think one of the challenges that comes with mental health is, especially when we're getting near like a breakdown. Normal, what I've seen, what I've seen is breakdowns usually occur when we can't get our mind off of what's going on. That every moment we're getting a constant reminder of our, in, our, our, vulnerability, our failures, our, uh, you know, the stressors of life. Look at COVID people lost their jobs. They're getting, um, you know, the, the pink letters in the mail, they're getting text messages about their bills, their kids are upset, their spouse is upset. Uh, and it just seems like when it rains, it pours. That's about the time when your family member passes away, the dog dies, uh, the truck breaks down, whatever it is, your life becomes a real life country song. Everything's falling apart. How do you stop in the middle of that? How do you find a place to take a knee and breathe when it feels like everything's just falling around, falling on top of you, your house is on fire kind of thing? In the moment, I guess you have to deal with the scenario. But what I would suggest is that the best times to take moments for yourself are, are right before you fall asleep and right when you wake up in the morning. So there's a chapter in my book on morning routines. And it's now some people are in situations where obviously you have a crying baby or an elderly parent, you're going to have to check your phone. But the worst thing you can do first thing in the morning is look at your cell phone because you just let the external environment hijack your entire day. So I try to tell people if you have five minutes, just don't look at your phone, just take a couple deep breaths, do a body scan. It's not that difficult. And just say like, what are three things that I can control and accomplish today? And if something comes up, that's really difficult for me to deal with, how am I going to react to it? Like, am I just going to remove myself if possible? Am I going to take three deep breaths before I react? Because one of the interesting things in neuroscience is we have different brain networks responsible for different activities. So when we become overly emotional, our central executive network for making conscious decisions shuts down. So when you become over emotional, you cannot make a good decision. Do you ever get an email that just like made your blood boil and you start writing back, I hope you die. And you're, you know, you just start going like crazy. And then you come back an hour later. And then you come back an hour later and you're like, thank God I did not send that email. It's because you can't think clearly. If there's any way to remove yourself from that situation, emotional situation before you react, do that. If not, just try to take a couple deep breaths, but have a plan in place if possible so that you can say, okay, this doesn't need to be dealt with right now. I need to calm down before I make any decisions and then work forward. But it's, I think it's starting the day off on that positive note and having a strategic plan, but it doesn't always work. We're human. I mess up all the time. <laughs> is there something that you've seen? Is there any misconceptions or something that we're all doing wrong that we think is the right thing? Maybe something that's been generally adopted, generally accepted, but maybe not that useful or something that might be harming us. I think what you mentioned before, that military mindset of that we always have to be accomplishing something. Like I said, you're going to decrease all your cognitive capacity. You're going to kill all your creativity and you're just going to exhaust yourself. So taking breaks, taking that vacation, like in the military, I definitely had that mindset because it was ingrained in me. 
So I would like mindlessly eat my lunch and my dinner at my computer. And I wouldn't talk to my, the people that were working for me. I was just like, email, email, email. But then I got home and I was such a ball of stress. I didn't even know what to do with myself. So I think it's just taking those moments throughout the day for yourself and taking your vacations and just turning off your phone for a day, if at all possible, and just getting away <laughs> from emails and internet and phone calls and texts as much as humanly possible. Rachel, this is your chance to talk directly to the audience. What do you want them to know about their mental health and your book? Um, so I can talk a little bit about the structure of the book. So each chapter, like I said, is an area of um, my life that I thought needed improvement. Uh, I encourage the readers to think about those areas of their life and I provide suggestions and starting points. And again, this is more of a reference guide. It's you use it piecemeal as you need for your situation. Um, and then I, I touch on some signs and then I talk about what I do in my everyday life. But the whole goal is to inspire readers to become scientists of their own life. What works for me may not work for you, but the idea is that I want you to think about what you can be doing to improve your life, areas that do need improvement. And beware of any coach, therapist, trainer, anyone that tells you that there's a magic pill, one size fits all panacea, that's just garbage. Um, that it's, it's your responsibility to understand what your brain and body need for your unique situation and then figure out a way to get there. And it's gonna take time and effort, but it's totally worth the journey. And what is the name of your book and where can people find it? It's called You're Welcome. Capitalize on my mental breakdown to improve every aspect of your physical, cognitive, and emotional well-being. I know it's a mouthful, but just look up You're Welcome by Rachel Cozy, K-O-Z-Y, and it's available um, for download or purchase at Amazon.com. All right, folks, that was Rachel Cozy. Uh, you can find her. Oh, tell you know, where can we find you on social media? Where can people follow you and hear your 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 wise words? So I'm, if you look up Rachel Cozy, Cozy with a K, I'm everywhere. I have my own website, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. It's all under my full name. So please reach out if you have questions about the book, suggestions, things you would like me to expand more on or different topics you'd like me to talk about. More than happy to do so. Awesome. Rachel, thanks so much again for being on the show. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 